Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Today is our special guest day, where we will hear from a friend of the ministry who will share their insight and stories on truth in this chaotic world. And now your host, Richard Case. Good morning, Kathy. Uh, it's Guest Thursday, and we have a special guest, uh, Brad and Carrie Little from uh, McKinney, McKinney, Texas. Uh, ah, excited to have you guys they're, on. They're, have a little Southerners on here welcome, too. Welcome, you guys. Uh, they're friends of Bob and Carrie Rockwell, who are leaders in our ministry, and uh, so we're excited to hear their story. Uh, we uh, had a little technical issue last week. We actually uh, tried to uh, record you guys. And what happened? What, tell tell the audience what happened. You had a little, little issue. Yeah, our internet provider, which is Spectrum, which has been great, 99% of the time shut down in the middle of our, well, right after we got started. And yep. it was a area-wide disruption that was out for about three or four hours. So it was not meant to be. <laughs> So I'm convinced that you have something really good to say that God is yeah. just going to use this podcast to bless other people. And that was a little bit of interference. That's right. That's all. That's right. That's <laughs> it. No. What, uh, so how did you survive without three hours of internet? <laughs> we had lunch with Bob and Carrie. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, how fun. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's great. You mean you, you mean you actually talked to each other, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't need a Zoom call or anything else. That's, That's so uh, fun. Yeah, we did that person-to-person thing. You that person-to-person, -person. Yeah, that's, that's strange these days. Well, we're excited. Um, first of all, again, we'd like for you to share how each of you, uh, and you, you had uh, really interesting stories about this. How did you each come to know Christ? You wanna go? Sure. Okay. Um, I, I came to the Lord fairly, very young, very young, about six years old. My um, dad had passed away and my aunt and uncle would come and take me to church. And we had an Avon lady that would come and spend time with my mom every week. And she got to be there more and more often. And she led, she's the one that led my mom to the Lord. And we, her husband became a pastor shortly after that. And we started going to church there. And my um, new dad, my stepdad, my mom married shortly after my father had passed away. She, had two small children at home and um he was an agnostic and about three years later i got to watch him get saved and filled with the holy spirit mm. oh how cool and it was it was amazing wow and where was uh, now where was this at you were growing up oklahoma city oklahoma city dell city oklahoma yeah yep. yep okay uh and how old were you when you uh you were you were young then right when I saw my dad get saved. Yeah, and when you got I was nine. You became nine years old, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'd gotten up in the middle of the night to get something. And I remember walking down the stairs and I heard him in the living room pacing around the floor, praying, he's praying and he was praying in the Holy Spirit. And so a, a complete change <laughs> from who he was. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, wow, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, Brad, how about you? I, uh, my parents got divorced when I was uh, six months old. Um, I was unexpected. My brother is 14 years older than me, so I was not planned. Um, 
and so I, it was my mom and I for obviously a long time, but I grew up in the, I only knew the church. I did not have a life outside of the church. Uh, my mom and I had a church, uh, her two sisters, my aunts had a church in another small town. My godparents, uh, who lived across the street from us, who watched me when she worked, had another church. So I would go, I was in one of those three churches, if not all three churches every week, all three vacation Bible schools, uh, church, <laughs> church on Sunday night, church on Wednesday night, uh, all those small churches, all the fun things that go with it. And so I guess God knew I needed 24 seven protection. <laughs> That's awesome. I love so that. In my aunt's church, my cousin was a pastor. And so during one of the vacation Bible schools, he, uh, well, there were several of us, but he baptized me and I was about six. And I still remember it. I mean, it's one of those moments. I don't, you know, people say, how do you remember something when you're six? I don't know the answer to how you remember it, but I do remember him baptizing me in the river. Um, and I remember going to my aunt's house after it was over and just, I kept saying, so the devil can't get me now. So the devil can't get me now. That's really all I cared about at that time. Cause that's all I could comprehend. And then, uh, at my mom and I's church, when I was probably, uh, 13, 14, I rededicated my life. And that's when I really knew and understood the relationship uh, with Christ. And I knew that that's what I needed for one, but also wanted it. So that's really when I consider that my walk began. Um, How old were you then again? 13, 14. Yeah. So that was a church, you know, uh, at the time we were, everybody was Baptist back in Eastern Oklahoma, but um you know, sometimes you would get scared into heaven. I didn't get scared into heaven as a child, but uh, maybe I got scared into walking with the Lord. So that was fun. But <laughs> definitely appreciative of all the people who had influenced my life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You, uh... It's funny as you talk about that, I'm reminded, I hear a lot of stories, especially I grew up in the South too. I don't know if you knew that, but I grew up in Memphis. And, um, and so it's not uncommon when you've grown up in the church to kind of have that almost like a twofold story of this is when I understood salvation by Jesus, but right. this is when I kind of had my own crisis of faith and, and understood Lordship and I wanted relationship with him. And I think that's really what you're describing. And so often that comes in that age, that age you're talking about, it's really kind of those middle school years where you're defining is my faith, what everybody else has told me it is, or is it my own? Right. And stepping into that. So it's beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So you're both uh, from Oklahoma. And uh, uh, how did you then get together? I think it's probably you were in Oklahoma, right? When you got together. How did, how did that happen? How did you meet each other? What what attracted you to each other? And uh, what decided, uh, how did you decide to get married? You want Carrie's version or the truth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have Carrie's version. <laughs> I think it'd be more, I think it's going to be more interesting. <laughs> it's funny how we don't remember the same things, but um, do you want me to go? go first? Okay. So uh, it, it requires a little background. So she was actually a widow and I was a widower. We didn't know each other at the time. So I had been married for 23 and a half years. Uh, and actually dated my first wife before that we met in college and so had a great life um, great three kids everybody was healthy our my mother-in-law lived two streets over so it was literally what you would hope for um great home everything and then my wife my first wife had been a long distance runner in high school and she continued jogging even as an adult and we knew that she'd had stress fractures in both 
hips, which is not uncommon for young girls to develop throughout their teenage years if they literally do cross country. Uh, what we didn't know is that she had developed a blood clot on her left hip until that one morning uh, when I was actually just getting ready to get up, go to work. And our youngest daughter came running in and said, dad, dad, you need to come check on mom and went out there. And, um, you know, this is where it kind of gets surreal, but um, I thought she was having a seizure because she was speaking, but it wasn't uh, the normal speaking. So it lasted for maybe 10, 15 seconds, enough for me to call 911 because I knew this was not normal. Um, and then she snapped out of it and she said, I just want to go lay down. And I said, well, honey, I already called for the ambulance. Let's go in the front room so that when they walk in, you're right there. And so we actually walked in and she laid, she sat on the couch and then she leaned over. And that's when I saw the ambulance pull up, but it's also at the same time I saw her turning gray. And so I knew this was serious, but even at the time, I didn't think, you know, I mean, this happens, they rest, they come get you, they go to the hospital and everything's going to be okay at some point. Um, I do remember the ambulance driver looking at me and said, he said, Brad, you need to come, but don't try to keep up with us. You just take your time and get to the hospital. So, um, you know, I'm on the way to the hospital. My oldest daughter at the time is in college, a sophomore. Uh, my middle son was a senior in high school. And my youngest daughter was a sophomore in high school. So we start the phone calling and then calling her mom and calling her twin. She has a twin sister whose name is Carrie, by the way. But um, so we start making the calls and we get all, all get to the hospital. And, you know, it wouldn't the doctor came in and said, you know, we've revived her three or four times, uh, but this is going to be a long haul. And I said, well, can I go see her? And so my sister in law and I walked down there and uh, saw them working on her, um, which I'd never again, we were very sheltered very sheltered life, hadn't had any, even relatives have any issues, but I remember seeing them work on her and I literally just fell to my knees. And I you know, told my sister and I said, our life has just changed because you could tell um, it was not going to be good. And so she, she passed away and um, you know, hard time for the family, for sure. Uh, the hardest time from, obviously I'd lost my wife, which, you know, is hard. Um, the hardest part, is also my kids watching them grieve over losing their mother. And it was really hard for me because I'd grown up to be that protector. I fix it, you know, don't mess with my kids, mess with my family, I'll fix it. And I couldn't fix it. And, uh, you know, we all came home that night, um, but it happened, um, laid on the living room floor together and just cried all night. And um, did that for a couple of nights actually before. <laughs> My son, we were on the third or fourth day and we we're sitting there and he goes, dad, can we all sleep in our own beds tonight? And I was like, okay, this, this, is this is the beginning of healing. So yes, we can all sleep in our own beds. And, and so we went through that. Um, and then it was, I don't know how long I, I, I would tell people there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. Um, typically if you're lonely, you can fix that. If you're alone, you may not be able to fix that. And so, it was several, many months later, and I had my oldest daughter and my mother-in-law, and I, I met with them at our house, and I said, I, I'm asking your permission to start dating again, because I cannot, I am not a good version of myself <laughs> alone. Um, I need that other person in my life. So they were both like, yes. Like, I think they'd been waiting on me to say that. And my mother-in-law at the time, my ex-wife, my deceased wife, she's like, Brad, you're too young. Um, to live the rest of your life alone. So with their blessing, I started dating. 
And I will also tell you that dating the second time around after a 25 year respite, it, it was nothing like, well, when I'd never imagined it. When you started um, getting letters. Yeah, it was really, showing up. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, I, I got letters from women the very, the, <laughs> after, the week after the funeral, the week after the funeral, mm. I'm letting my kids read these letters and from these women and, uh, because I wanted them to see how bizarre it was. And but I the just- the kids were older, they weren't like- No, they were, yeah, yeah college. Yeah. Well. So <laughs> I was letting them see this because we were all experiencing this. Like I was, they were going through this with me, but separately also through their own mourning. But um, I was not ready for the dating world. Uh, it was uh, it was bizarre, to be honest. And, you know, at first you're like, okay, it's bizarre. I'm gonna enjoy it. And then there's no enjoyment. And um, after a while, I really, was convinced I would never have what I had before. <laughs> and so I was um, very thankful, honestly, but I was for everything. But um, I was in my bedroom one night crying, praying to God and crying and like, what is what I have to do? And my fraternity little brother called me, who was very close to me. Um, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm sitting here praying and crying. And so he just took over and we prayed for 30 minutes. And it just brought peace to my soul. Um, and so went to bed, got up the next day, went back out to work. We, I owned my business at that point. And uh, one of my managers looked at me and said, hey, have you ever, have you ever met this girl named Carrie Kennedy. I said, no, he goes, well, she's got a story very similar to yours. And so I was like, well, okay, let's meet. And uh, um, so he kind of, I knew of her vaguely, like I had seen her, but I didn't know her at all. And so, you know, I manned up and I text her. <laughs> <laughs> and where, where was this, by the way? What city was this in? Uh, we were still in in the Oklahoma City area at the oh, time. I lived in Norman. I lived in Norman. My family lived in Norman and Carrie was in Dell City, Oklahoma City. So okay. that's my lead up to how we met. <laughs> and now your turn. <laughs> so even though I'd gotten saved at a young age and, and stayed in church and, and all that, I um, made some really decisions that I wished I hadn't made. I got married at a very young age. 16, I got married at 16. Mm -hmm first time and um it was not it we were we both had grown up in church but it was more of a it was an abusive marriage in a lot of different ways so we stayed married almost 10 years because in i grew up in church and if you were praying and doing the things you were supposed to be doing then it would change and things would get better and the abuse would stop and, and that was my thinking right or wrong at that time. I know now that's not right, but at that time, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. We had four boys. And so about six months before our 10 year anniversary, I, um, I, I left him for another man and had my daughter. And he, so when, when you're hurting, you don't go to somebody that's healthy you go to somebody, a lot of times it's even worse yeah. than the first. So I, I married an alcoholic that was quite a bit older than me. About five years after we got married, he um, he, he committed suicide. Mm. So 
I stay, I decided, and during this whole time, I'm still going to church and still praying and, and just, I really was trying to figure out how to get to where God wanted me to be and raise my kids the right way. But I knew that in this process, my kids, I did not want them to grow up thinking that this was marriage and this was what God wanted for them. And so after he passed away, after he killed himself, the kids and I kind of separated ourselves from a lot of things. Um, it was basically just us. We lived in a very small town. I had moved to, we um, lived in a very small town, probably 30,000 people at that time, not in Oklahoma City area. And we didn't have any family around. It was just us. His family kind of blamed me for the suicide, but they had to have somebody um, to blame. That's how they dealt with it. Yeah. And so that's what I explained to my kids. That that's just how he dealt. They dealt with the death. And so that was okay. So I just my pastor at the time told me, don't make any major decisions. Don't move for three years and don't date for a year. <laughs> so I listened to him on the not moving. Maybe <laughs> 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 hadn't sunk in yet. <laughs> so but, it didn't take long for that to sink in. Finally, um, I kind of, I got, we had moved to closer to my parents about an hour and a half from where we were. And I told God one day, I said, I, I want somebody to spend my life with, but I don't want to get married just to have somebody and just to be married. So I wanted to become the person that I needed to be for God to bring that person to me. So I was single for eight and a half years. So I guess it took me <laughs> a long time to um, to fix some things that needed fixed. I remember I had this book um, called You're a Christian and Divorced, Now What? And I had gotten it right after my first husband and I had gotten divorced, but never read it. Pulled it out after, because you know, you go through a lot of shame and a lot of um, sure. condemnation. Yep. And it, it's, um, that's a, it's a hard to deal with and hard to get through when you don't have anybody. I mean, I had the Holy Spirit. I had the Lord walking through it with me, but I had these five kids that I needed to set a different example for. And I wanted my daughter to know that she was worth more. And I didn't see myself as worth much more. I had my mom tell me about six and a half years into this, um, you should just settle and just marry some guy I had grown up next door to because he likes you and he wants to get to, he wants, <laughs> he loves the kids and, and you should just settle. You, you've been through a lot. And I said, mom, that's not fair to him. I don't love him. And that, that's just not fair to him. She goes, I asked her, I said, would you tell my younger sister that? And she goes, well, no, but she doesn't have the baggage you have. <laughs> I said, well, I love you, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's just, yeah. You know, that's not what God has for me. So I made a list of 50 things I wanted in a man. Mm. And and I prayed, but these were things I prayed about. It wasn't like, it wasn't superficial things. My, it was, do you, I wanted somebody that tithe. I want somebody that would love my kids like they love theirs. I wanted somebody that was a Christian, but knew how to have fun. Be, I, I guess my words were, could be a good boy, but knew how to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, and, and love to travel, different things like that. So I had owned a business while I was married to my second husband and got rid of it, gave it back to the person I bought it from right after the death. And I was getting ready to open it up again. My best friend called me. Her husband wanted me to come work for them and do their marketing. So I said, sure, I'll do that instead of opening up my business again. And after about a year of doing the marketing and the PR, I was kind of bored. And I said, I really want to learn the inside of the restaurant. 
And she told me I was nuts, but I said, well, I don't know how to explain. I just really want to learn. So in the process of this, the chamber started coming in. And this is kind of where our stories differ just a little bit on how I remember things and how he remembers things. <laughs> but this, the chamber would come in. I was very shy, but very um, standoffish because usually the men that would ask me out were either married, really old or really young. And I'm, I knew that none of that was where I needed to be. Not by really old, they were not my age. They were just older and I'd done that already. And um, anyway, so I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, sorry. But, bring, bring back memories for me. No, <laughs> no it's good. No, but, I love hearing the details. But the chamber, they would come in with this crew and I was I, in the chamber, so I was he, in there. Yeah. Mm, okay. And they would want me to speak in front of them. And, and I was very shy, but I guess, and I had no idea until later that it came across as being stuck up. Brad told me later, he thought I was extremely stuck up. And I said, well, no, I was just really shy. <laughs> and a lady, one of the ladies in the chamber had sent me a message. She had found a picture of me on Facebook and asked me if she could send it to this guy Brad Little mm -hmm. that owned this business in Norman. And I I said, well, sure. And she, but she told me a little bit about him at first. And I said, okay, I trust you. And I didn't know the other gentleman had also had been talking to Brad about meeting me. Well, both of them not knowing had each been talking to him. Oh, funny. And so. Yeah, so I, the, the buddy of mine, he said, well, let's go, let's go to her restaurant you can meet her and I said okay so we met there and she was there she was working and uh, his name was Scott Scott and I were at the I don't know if we we're at a table or we were a, at a bistro type bistro table. type table and all of a sudden Carrie brings in these cheese sticks for Scott and so which Scott didn't order but um so we're sitting there and then she just kind of said hi to him and then maybe said hi to me I can't remember but then she yeah. left and I said, <laughs> I said, she's obviously not interested, Scott. And he goes, no, she is, she is, blah, blah, blah. And we talked some more. And but Scott had never told me he was telling. Right? So we left. And then he said, okay, I, this is days later. He goes, okay, let's go back. She is interested. She's just very shy. And I go, shy? I'm not sure she's shy. But um, so we go back and here come these cheese sticks again that neither of us ordered. <laughs> I guess this was way of Carrie's offering the bread. But um, so <laughs> We had cheese sticks, and then um, we talked a little bit at that time, not much. You and I? Just briefly. I mean, you stood at the table a little bit longer, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't deep or anything. So um, I was really kind of unsure um, because up till this point, even though, again, I prayed, and the next day uh, Scott said, have you met Carrie Kennedy? So I thought, okay, this is more than a coincidence. It wasn't a smooth start. Um, so I wasn't going to... I wasn't going to say it was from God or it wasn't from God. I was just, um, I had been through so much bizarreness on dates. Um, you know, you meet middle-aged women and for like the first hour, all you <laughs> they're why they're divorced. I mean, and you're like, I understand why you're divorced. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> so I carried with her oh, lips. No. I also had a list. I knew I, I realized, <laughs> you know, when you date and get married in your twenties, you have a blank slate for life. It's not filled mm -hmm. in. Um, most of it, you know, very little of it's filled in. And so when you're doing this again in your forties for you and the person you're dating, it's filled in to a great extent. 
Um, it is what it is, and there's not probably going to be much to change what's on that board or the, tra the trajectory of the board. So, I, you know, my prayer was, I'm probably going to find someone who's divorced, Father. I just want someone who doesn't uh, argue with her ex. There's no issues with the ex. There's no fight over kids. I don't want any drama in my life because I've never had it. And so I, I was convinced I would probably marry someone who was divorced. I mean, the chance that they were single in their 40s, there's a reason probably that they're single. So um, anyway, um, like I said, we te I text her finally because um, she heard some things about me and obviously I heard some things about her, but. Uh, well, I had at the one of the chamber events, I'd asked one of the other ladies that didn't know him, which I didn't realize that, but I said, what, what is up with that man? What is up with him? And she says, oh, Brad, he just lost his wife. And I said, oh, how long ago? And she said, 13 months or something. I said, never mind, it's too soon. <laughs> it's really cute, but never mind. She goes, yeah, he's kind of in a player mode. She had, she didn't know him at, from Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But, um, so actually during dating, uh, this one lady, um, you know, I was actually kind of interested in, she called and we were talking and, and I started crying. Um, as you can see, even now, 13 years, 14 years later, the emotion is still there because, you know, Carrie and I, Carrie's been very good. Uh, the lady said, you're, I started crying. She was, you're not ready. And I said, you know, I don't know if, when I'll be ready, if I'll ever be ready. I don't know, but obviously you're not the one for me. So I really cut it off. Um, and so the good thing about Carrie, the good thing about God, um, God, Carrie had been through a similar situation and she'd lost her dad. So she was able to help me heal because, you know, we talked and I said, you know, I never fell out of love with my first wife. This was not a situation where the marriage crumbled and we hated each other and we got divorced. It was, it was over. Like, you know, you don't ever, there was never a falling out of love. So it was a hard part of, getting over uh, the mourning part of it. And so, you know, as I got to know Carrie, she was able to walk with me and help me heal. She'd been down that road eight years prior. And so God really brought us together. So one of our first, after we um, had gone out a couple of times and I got to go meet his um, late wife's mother and fell in love with her. So that to me, the way she treated him and loved him and the way he was with their family was extremely attractive to me. I and bet. it told me a lot, among other things that happened, told me a lot about his heart. Mm -hmm. And it, it, to me, it was, I didn't, want, I didn't want him to not love his first wife because it said so much to me about him that he could share that with me and share the memories with me. And and then they would invite me over for Christmas and holidays. And we spent, for the first several years, we spent every holiday with them. Wow. And, you know, it's, for somebody to have that much love and grace to accept me and my five kids into their home, that that was huge for me. Yeah, it was, you know, it, it was, and I tell people I had, so I don't want to knock dating for those that are going through dating, but, um, some really weird situations. Women were just different. But uh, so went out with Carrie the very first time. And I did take her to see um, my oldest daughter who was palming at the University of Oklahoma. So she's down at, it's at a basketball game and she's down there. <laughs> and 
she told me later, she said, Dad, I used to, when you would sit in the stands by yourself, I would turn around so you couldn't see me cry. Mm. Oh. So she was so happy. Because Carrie was the first one I really brought to the public eye. And so on our first date, so we go to the game, we go to um, uh, a restaurant to eat. And I said, so we're sitting there and I'm like, this at this point, I'm like, just ask me anything you want to ask me. <laughs> did you, did you have cheese sticks? <laughs> I don't remember exactly. I do remember thinking, okay, I'm going to hit it head on. Ask me anything you want to ask me right now. Just whatever. You can ask me anything. And she said, do you tithe? And I was like, thank you, Lord. Because <laughs> no one had asked a question that deep. Um, mm -hmm. It was all like, oh, I've seen you at the gym or, I mean, just stuff. And you're just like, <laughs> seriously, that's why I was like, I was convinced I would never have what I have. So, you know, we've actually started trying to write a book um, about how we met and life after the side or my side is called um, One Life, Two Soulmates because God has been very good. Anyway. So our kids. So now we have eight yeah. kids and 18 grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really, we had very high expect, looking back, we had extremely high expectations of our kids. We just had this white picket fairy tale thing that they would just come together as quickly as we did and, and they would all mesh and everybody would just fall in love with each other. And they tried really hard to live up to that. My kids had had eight and a half years to process and to deal with things. And so when we, when we got married, we still had five kids in the house and several were out and gone doing their own things. And they, you know, I, they had, they really, handled things so well. But I can remember we moved in to the house that they had lived in. And I would suggest don't do that. Yeah. Because... So when I, I had a decision to make and um, like, do I sell the house? But there was part of me, I guess the majority of me that said, well, my kids have just had their world turned upside down. Yeah. So if I, if we move, that's even more unsettling for them. Right. So I made the decision to not sell the house. But looking back, it was asking a lot and probably not fair of Carrie to come into our house. Uh, you know, my kids knew, I told them, we had a lot of talks. I said, look, you've never seen me date. And so, uh, you know, when I met your mom and we, you weren't around to see how we hugged and kissed and held hands. So all of what you're seeing now with another woman is going to be very strange for you. And I get it. And you may even resent it at times. And I did. And, and, they, and they did and they didn't. Yeah. And then they did and then they didn't. I mean, it was it was hard. Well, they were them. going through their own healing they, process. They, still. they thought yeah. they thought they were ready to see dad move on because they wanted to mm -hmm. see him happy. Katie is um, the Brad's youngest and she would come in and she would be it would break her heart because she would see her dad all by himself watching TV and on his bed just watching mm -hmm. TV. You know, and, and it would just break her heart. So she thought Courtney was away at college, John's away at college, and they just all thought they were ready for it. And they weren't, it is, they, they were, but they weren't. So here, here I am moving into their mom's home, their mom's bedroom, cooking in their mom's kitchen, doing, you know, so every time, and Katie's still living in this house. So every time Katie walks in from school, here's this other woman yeah, and sure. She, 
Yeah, so she's dealing with all these feelings. And so she had just gotten her driver's license and then she's got prom and and all these things. She's looking at me and she's not meaning to, but she's looking at me, she's like, one more door slammed. That means my mom's gone. One more thing's happening, my mom is gone. Mm. So each time there's this big process happening in life, I'm there in her home and her mom's not. Yeah. So I do think it would have been easier to have not started out in the home. And then my kids were, they they wanted to have a place to call their own also, but it was it was hard for, for all of them. And they did great. My youngest son and Brad's youngest daughter became inseparable from the moment mm-hmm. they met. They were like best friends, little brother, big sister. Um, they actually are a lot alike. <laughs> and today it's and today we all get along. I mean it oh, was so you know we it, did then. Yeah. yeah, we did then. It was I had to explain to my kids, I'm not marrying Carrie to be your mom. Mm-hmm. Your mom, you had a mom. Uh, we will love your mom till we all are with her again. But Carrie's being married. I'm marrying Carrie to be my wife. And yeah. there's a difference. Yeah, that's right. And so um, they get it now. I mean, honestly, 12 years in, 12 plus years in, they love Carrie now. They tell her they love her all the time. I mean, it's it, it was an evolution for them as for a family. Um, it's been, and God has been good all the way through it. God yeah. has been so good all the way yeah. through it. So 30 minutes later, that's how we met. Beautiful. Well, that's. Uh... What a wonderful story! And uh, actually, uh, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 certainly uh, interesting how you came together and all the all the beautiful detail and the complications, so to speak, of that. Um, uh, it's a little different than the other other people <laughs> have shared. Uh-huh. They, theirs has been a lot simpler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a good thing. Uh, so I think uh, because we're at the actually the end of our time on this session. Uh, if we could have you back, actually, uh, uh, even shortly, are you able to? to do another session with us. Uh, that we, we do could, a part two real we, quick. <laughs> we could do a part two. So uh, right. uh, we would love to uh, hear more now about how do you guys walk together uh, in Christ mm-hmm. and, and uh, what does that mean, including uh, it sounds like your children uh, have also, uh, through it all, have have learned healing and life and mm-hmm. uh, moving forward and you know uh, going uh, with God's plan. So we'll talk about that. So. Um, we're so appreciative of you sharing that depth. It's really important uh, to do that and to have us understand uh, what you've been through and how that came together, and, be- and the beauty, beautiful redemption of God. I mean, it's really, it's really Amen. phenomenal that uh, it speaks God, to His healing yeah. and just the way He restores, right? Yeah, yeah. and the fact that His heart, His heart is. Uh, you know, we teach uh, it is not good that man and woman be alone. So. Uh, unless you're really called to that, which very few people are, he says, well, I still want you to have fellowship and unity. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Brad, it's uh, it's uh, love can continue in a different way and a different uh, process. So it's mm-hmm. not exclusive, mutually exclusive. It's it's both and, you know, so that's that's a great thing. So we love you guys. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, Kathy, we'll, uh, we'll uh, do, it, do another taping and have them do part two. So that'll be that'll Yeah, be so fun. everyone will have to join back in next Thursday so that you can hear part two of the story. That's it. That's it. So uh, hold on and we'll uh, we'll just go through the uh, close of this one and then we'll take a slight break and come back. If you get, you got the time to do, do a little bit more? We do. Oh, great. Okay, well, then we'll, we'd love to do that. So... Uh, Kathy will uh, just uh, pick it up again, and they'll uh, been their part two will be a week later, and uh, we'll we'll be excited to have that. So, absolutely, we'll thank you for joining us, everyone, and definitely join us again next Thursday to hear part yep. two on yep. this. Thanks and, for everything. And Kathy, I'll see you uh, on the taping anyway. We'll we'll see you for uh, 
End Times Friday tomorrow. So Yes, sounds great. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll see you guys in a minute. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.